United States of Lead is an informative podcast that may contain sensitive material and the occasional F-bomb. Listener discretion is advised. Cult of Corporation, our new bi-weekly podcast here at United States of Lead, where we take a deeper look into the corporate power's influence on American society. This week, we are going to take a look at the Koch brothers, also known <laughs> as the Koch brothers. <laughs> but I love, so, one of the things I love about you, Andrea, is you just, uh, you just really commit to a bit. Like, I have to. Yeah, that's really impressive. <laughs> you can thank my mom for that. She started it. She even asked, like, at one point we were in the car and I was talking about my research for this. And she's like, what really is their name? <laughs> we're just so used to calling them the Cock Brothers that, like, it's like, wait, but what is their name? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> to realize just how the Koch Brothers, and that joke will come in every now and then. I'm not going to call them cocks the whole time. But to realize just how the Koch Brothers became the supervillains that they are today Let's go back to the origins of the Koch corporate dynasty. Fred C. Koch was an American chemical engineer and entrepreneur who founded the oil refinery firm that later became Koch Industries. In 2015, Koch Industries was listed by Forbes as the second largest privately held company in the United States, end quote. Uh, so yeah, they've definitely won capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> And definitely like at the top of what we need to be looking at when it comes to who's pulling the strings that we see in the imagery of this cover art for this podcast. It's uh, Charles. That's Charles's hand. Just so you guys know, spoiler alert. Quote, Fred Koch started his career with the Texas company in Port Arthur, Texas, and later became chief engineer with the Medway Oil and Storage Company on the Isle of Grain in Kent, England, end quote. So we got that they're, you know, into oils, you know, shocker. When you look for certain people, like I said, with Ginny Thomas and Clarence Thomas, and now with the Koch brothers, their childhood is just like not there. We'll get to it a little bit, but there's just like a lot of missing pieces. I can't really like dive deep into it how I want to, because they're very selective of what information is out there. And it's like, what, doesn't anybody else know this? So I'm sure I could dig deeper, but if anybody knows about their first six years of life, please let me know. Does that mean they don't have friends? Maybe. I mean, I mean did Trump have friends? 
I've, I can't tell you how much this reminds me of Donald Trump too. So that's actually something I wanted to say is like, yeah, you can see how Trump became their uh, target. I don't really know anything about his childhood. I, I know. And like uh, I was telling my mom with childhood development and like what we talk about with lead poisoning, mm-hmm. when certain things happen to you from the age of one to six, mm-hmm. there's no intervention and those things continue. You see life as being a certain way. It, it's grooming, I guess, in a sense, but like that's how your brain functions. And with and nobody's going to intervene when you have as much money as you have. Like who's there to intervene? Yeah. And if you do, they're going to say, fuck you. Get out of my life. I'm really blown away by the notion of that. Are these your relationships then? Like, is this the standard of your, of your, how you relate to people? If that's. Well, think about it like this too, because we're going to be getting to this is I always think about what's something I would love to hypothesize because we can't know for sure. Sure. But we talk about corporate Darvo and it's like, how are these corporations using Darvo tactics? Well, if you have the generational patterning of abuse and being an abuser, it's kind of second nature almost, I bet, to have those tactics. I feel like I've seen this with people, but it's with wealthy people. Wealthy people have acknowledged they just have to like take it on the chin every once in a while just to keep the serfs from riling up. And it doesn't really cost them anything. It's something that costs them no money or an incredibly small amount of money. But then they get, go back to the thing that they're doing and they never think about it again. I think I've seen seen that within a family dynamic. So someone was teaching someone else about this, like introducing them to this concept. Like, well, it's just something we do because we have, you know, we're we're worth nine figures. So kids are trained. We are animals at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And whether it's nurturing or not nurturing, as a parent, you train your child. You know, there's different ways you can train your child. And if this is, like I said, from their grandpa and their great, great grandpa, Mm -hmm. I guarantee you there was a lot of prevention of a child being a child in their life and Trump's life. That core part of your life was not the, you know, playing in the mud and socializing, you know, with your friends like that wasn't part of their Sure. Reality is what I'm assuming. Like it just it just feels like that to me from when you see what these people become. And that's something like at the end of the day, you know, we can be polarized on sides. But if we don't start taking a look at the root causes of this stuff, instead of just because like it's so easy, even like with serial killers, it's so easy to just say like they're evil. And yeah, they are. But there's something that causes this or something that creates this. You know, it's like how Marvel movies do such a good job at showing the villain as a person because it comes from somewhere. So let me just throw this out. I know this was a while ago. This is quite a while ago with the Koch brothers being children. And I, so we don't have the same like social media. We don't have yeah. all this documentation of what people were doing and who their friends were. Mm-hmm. But I can, these are not uninteresting figures. These are not yeah. uninteresting like uh, historical persons i would just think that someone would be asking would want to know this stuff and it would be worthwhile to the buddy down the street of sorts or even just the playmate who was shipped in from <laughs> you know, from 
from wherever the nanny is absolutely absolutely where are those people and like i'm not an interesting historical figure i mean i think you could figure out who my friends were on the block i grew up on uh on like one of the first blocks i grew up on you could figure (laughs) that out just from like school records and stuff well i'm not saying that this stuff doesn't exist Sure. But it's not easily attainable. And that's what I'm I'm trying to yeah. I, I'm I'm trying to underline that point. It should be like, on their Wikipedia page. <laughs> I yeah. What are you hiding? That's a, it's like if anytime it's like this, it's like, what are you hiding? Going back to the family, a lot of it too is don't let them know who's who's the person behind it all. Yeah. Uh they probably learned it from that uh what the fuck was that guy's name? I can't remember from the from the family, the main dude. Oh, the the fa- the documentary, the family. Yeah, the the main guy. I don't, I don't remember his name, name. but they yeah. probably well, learned that's... it from him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That he's in the afterlife, just like I did it. <laughs> Anyways, back to the Cokes. Quote: In 1927, Coke, which is Coke Senior, Fred developed a more efficient thermal cracking process for deriving gasoline from crude oil, which allowed smaller players in the industry to better compete with major oil producers, end quote. So we got gasoline happening already in here. But what happened next seems like something his sons Charles and David would do in response to someone trying to allow small players in the industry to compete. Quote, the larger companies quickly sued in response, filing 44 different lawsuits against Coke, embroiling him in litigation for years. Coke was to prevail in all but one suit, which would later be overturned due to a judge having been bribed, end quote. Wow. Is that not crazy? Their whole lives go against their father's big origins, I guess, if you will. Don't worry, he he goes against his own origins too. <laughs> like, like it's like he started with being the little guy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and fighting for the little guy. Yeah, against these larger corporations. Wow, I know. That's like Pete Seeger, <laughs> their kids creating like iHeartRadio or something. <laughs> Pete Seeger of all people. <laughs> a little it. Pete Seeger on my mind these days. Nice. So after this, Fred ends up partnering with somebody named Louis Winkler, who was a former employee of Universal Oil Products, but continued extensive litigation put them out of business in the U.S. for, quote, several years. It's like very vague of timelines and whatnot from what I read. Now, this next part I had no idea about, but it really makes you realize how Charles and David became the supervillains that they are today. Quote, between 1929 and 1932, Winkler Koch supported the Kremlin and trained Bolshevik engineers to help Stalin's regime set up 15 modern oil refineries in the Soviet Union during its five-year plan. And Wikipedia says Fred deeply regretted this partnership later on, but uh, definitely see some interesting and relevant information in this partnership, don't you? <laughs> like those ties go back to there. <clears throat> I'm having a, a swirling wave of emotions and thoughts here. Like, <laughs> I mean, 
one level, so 1929, 1932, yeah. Yeah. Soviet Union, there's Stalin, there's a lot of, of really solid propaganda going on. There's yeah. a lot of really solid narrative making. Yeah. Uh, I could totally see on one hand, on the outside thinking, oh, this is a really progressive, important government to support. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be a part of that. And I maybe they'll open new markets, blah, blah, blah. blah. But on the other hand, <laughs> you know, this is it's still I'm, I'm getting real IBM Third Reich kind of vibes from this because it's just like why aren't you exploring this further like where's the due diligence i just it, this is a uh, fanta and and the nazis or something like that it's like why and from him literally what two years earlier developing this efficient thermal cracking process that he wanted to share with everyone right how did, that's a two-year span it's not like this was decades well he wanted to share so he wanted to share it with everyone and i feel like that I'll go over to Russia and I'll, but like he had to know who Stalin was. I wonder, I, so I don't know. I wonder just I, if there wasn't one vein where it's like, I could share this with a people in a, in an equitable way, a way of seeing this, that where he could have been like, yeah, this is how I would do it. I'm not going to share it with the Carnegie's and the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds. You know, I'm not oh, going to share he's it. Them. Ah. I don't know. I don't. I, but, no, but that's but, a good point. Like, fuck you guys. I'm going to go over here. But at the same time, at the same time, there were a lot of atrocities going on and they were building up for even more. You know, you see, you see a picture of Stalin with four guys, and then a year later, you see the picture of Stalin with two guys, and then you just, and then like <laughs> three years later, the same picture, and like this is before you know Photoshop, so it's, yeah. this is really impressive. You just see that one guy, like you just see Stalin strangely to the far right of the frame, and uh, and that's the historic shot of yeah. Well, don't worry, it gets better. So. He didn't learn his lesson, quote, in 1934, so just two years after he was working with the Kremlin, Koch had partnered with William Rhodes Davis to help build the Hamburg oil refinery, the third largest oil refinery serving the Third Reich, a project which was, pers- which was personally approved by Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. Contemporary critics claim this showed a direct tie between fascism and the modern conservative movement notwithstanding Koch's much greater involvement in the Soviet Union, end quote. <laughs> okay, so you just proved my, the point I was trying to, like, stumble through, which is just sort of like, why are you, go, why are you drawn to this? Like, why, I understand you got this one narrative, that's the one basket, the one claim, but the other thing is like, we could why aren't you doing more research? We could also just episode on that. Oh my God. Yeah, okay, this is, like, this is strong IBM vibes. Uh, no, it's strong Coke. Vibes. Yeah, it's just yeah, the they're, they're on their own. Yeah. And now, yes, and that's the thing is like, so we just have this blanket overview, right? And it's like, okay, what was his day-to-day life? Were his kids there? Or was this before his kids? You know, stuff like that, where it's like, there's not information on it. That's mm-hmm. fucking weird. They don't want people knowing about them. Well, that's just that's also weird. I think a part of the circle of silence is there's a practice in not literally talking down, like talking down or like you just don't share 
we're just in the circle. We we don't need a, we don't need anyone else to. Well, the other thing we have to raise attention to is yeah. the whole America First mm. narrative comes from white fascist white supremacy. True that. During the fight against fascism, there is documentation of people in New York. Mm-hmm. People have this kind of idea from how we're taught in school that America was against fascism. It's like it's very relevant to now that there was always that sector. Who they feel like, Madison Square Garden. Yes, I know. And people don't. Those are things that have been kind of erased, like the Tulsa massacre. You know, there's certain things that they just scooch under the rug that don't fit the narrative. And it's like it's not about fitting a narrative. It's about telling the truth. Mm-hmm. So that we can learn and grow, like I it, going back to childhood development. There's so much stuff you don't see or hear that shape a person, and you just know what you hear from, you know, like your Wikipedia page and stuff like that. So there's a lot more stuff going on than we realize at all times. But anyways, uh, BFFs with Hitler. So after that. We don't know when he comes back to the U.S., but, quote, having succeeded in securing the family fortune, it sounds to me like he made all his money from Stalin and Hitler and then came back to the U.S. Coke joined new partners in 1940 to create the Wood River Oil Refinery Company, which later became known as Coke Industries. In 1946, the firm acquired the Rock Island Refinery and Crude Oil Gathering System near Duncan, Oklahoma. Wood River was later named the Rock Island Oil and Refinery Company. In 1966, he turned over the day-to-day management of the company to his son, Charles, end quote. Now, a fun fact I didn't know was that David Koch actually, oops, yes, I got just like slip of the tongue. David Koch is a twin to another brother. Did you know that? It makes sense now because I could never get them. No, not to Charles, another oh. brother. Is this the broadcaster? So Charles and David are the Koch brothers, or who are okay. considered the Koch brothers. And then David has a twin named William. And then there's a fourth brother, too, which we'll talk about. But I never knew that. Because, again, you don't know anything about that. Yeah. So make all their money overseas with communists and fascists. Bring all that money back over here to build an empire. Now we're at 1966. He turns over his day-to-day and then in 1967, he dies. So Fred apparently had a history of heart problems. And according to his son, David, his death was pretty epic. Quote, father was on a hunting trip, bird shooting in Utah. He was in a blind with a gun loader next to him. He was having heart palpitations and wasn't shooting that well. Finally, a lone bird came over. He took the shot and hit it square. The duck falls from the air. He turns to the loader and says, Boy, that was a magnificent shot. And then kneels over dead, end quote. Does this sound too storybook to you? Oh, yeah, that's... uh... In a year after he handed over the business, basically. No, I'm sorry, not the business, but the tasks. A year after he handed over the tasks, but was still at the, you know, in power. So... So Fred's dead. They were shooting for Duck, and he's in blind. Okay, I guess that yeah. checks out. Yeah, does right. it? Don't you usually just go on the ground and do it? <sighs> sort of weird. Are you usually high up like that? That seems like a bad. Kind of, it's kind of weird. 
Yeah, because you got that little hole, right? Usually in those blinds, like it's like I, a little I think so. I'm not. I'm, I'm actually never been hunting. I'm just trying to. I see them all the time driving because of where I live. Right, 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 right. And it's like I, it's like this little hole. <laughs> I'm. I literally think the phrase "the math isn't mathing" is really working on this one because that's what I'm trying to do is piece this together from. Yeah, I want to be heard. like Kevin Costner in that JFK movie and like go out to a blind and like try, you know, like recreate it and then like have a present a PowerPoint presentation. So like, this is impossible. <laughs> Who was the boy? Was this like yeah. a loader? He calls him the load. He turns yeah. to the loader. So who, mm -hmm. like, was he there? Was, were other people there or? Apparently only this like, you know, golf caddy. <laughs> so gun caddy, you know, like a golf caddy, but it was a gun caddy guy. Right. I, I don't know. Yeah. Doesn't that seem strange? Yeah. This is real. Uh, yeah. And it, it's so, not I uncommon to make these kind of like mythological. Yeah. But you're, because you're, it's your father. Yeah. Well, and it's they're trying to make this corporate myth, but uh, yeah, well, yeah, you need that when you're starting a cult, you know. Uh <laughs> you do. You that's this you is do. Jesus in the yes. uh, in the manger. Yeah. God, I've been thinking about Jesus a lot lately too, and it's just like, man, like we don't talk about Jesus enough as just a person. I've been watching this documentary on psychedelics. Okay. We've talked about ergot a lot, and just that we don't. Think about enough how many people could have been just tripping balls. The whole ancient world was tripping balls. Tripping balls, dude. And we don't yeah. talk about, like, all of us need to, like, have a week where we just trip balls to be like, oh, this is how they came up with the story. <laughs> have you ever done, um, not isolation chamber, what, what, what do they call that? Oh, the... Yeah, the... I, I the isolation booth, uh, sensitivity... Yeah, where all your senses go away. Yeah, you're just floating. I haven't. I'm kind of scared of it, but so I want if you, to. <laughs> if you imagine like being a shepherd, you're not like talking, you're not writing memos or doing spreadsheets for these, whatever your sheep or whatever. You're just sort of there for <laughs> yeah days, and you're going through your grazing path. You're through the pasture. And you're bringing them from one point to another. You're out in the world. Stars are moving at like this incredibly slow rate. But so are you. Yeah. What do you think about? And like, then when you're tripping balls on your rye bread, what do you think? <laughs> so that's what I'm, that's my, that's my point is like, so if you went from a, a slow trip to just this time by your, in your mind, I don't know. We, I don't think we can fathom it. I don't think human beings today can really fathom like how, These are things what the brain experience. Like, yeah. well, they're doing a lot of that. This documentary is great on Netflix. They're bringing like a lot of it's getting approved for mental health research and mm -hmm. therapy. I mean, people with PTSD and, and and not just like one type of psychedelic. It's like every single one. But people with OCD, you know, cancer patients who like, you know, like the stress is like they're able to just accept, have acceptance. So the other thing is that I love that we're going on this from the Koch brothers and they should, they could actually use a, a good trip and ball session. I bet. Takes like, ketamine. To get rid of all of the truck. Cause it all based. So the point of the psychedelics is, is it, it brings you to the trauma cause the root cause. Mm -hmm. And actually this does connect. Cause I was saying until we get to the root cause of these issues, we're not going to fix anything. So these psychedelics with therapy, it's not, you just take it and play in a field. You have a guided therapist with you who works through it. You get to that 
root trauma mm-hmm. that then snowballed and accumulated over time. And it literally rewires it. And so then I started thinking, I wonder if this could work with lead poisoning patients because it rewires your brain. Have they thought of doing psychedelic therapy? There's a PhD right there. Should I go back to school? Uh, I've been saying that for years. (laughs) The world deserves your dissertation. Oh, thanks. I really think there could be something there. Of course, there's still stuff in your body. And I, I'm really interested oh, yeah. in... Health-wise, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm really interested in, like, the intelligence of the body. So, like, if you have this pain for years and years and years and you start, like, limping like this or crunching over like this, then that is training your body to mm-hmm. move in spaces and socialize in a certain way. Or I'm noticing this already, like, with my... I lost my tooth, a uh, front tooth, a couple uh, a year ago now in COVID. I'm saving up to get a new one, and I'm already noticing like how my head is just sort of shifting in certain ways. And interesting, but so I think there'd be something in that realm uh, that would complement this notion. But the idea of just the straight plasticity of the brain, like mm-hmm. and reorienting those perception markers, like that's oh, that's fascinating. I don't believe that science has to be one way or the other. And that's what they bring up in this too, is like, Mm -hmm. there doesn't have to be a separation between spirituality and science. A lot of these experts are saying, if we get to this next level, we'll see that spirituality is science in its own way, like that there's a science to this. I would deeply argue that if you're doing both correctly, you admit that you have no, you don't know. mm -hmm. In my mind, uh, traditional science and medicine and holistic and spiritual and the word disease is dis-ease. And so how much of our physical stuff comes from our mental state? Like, especially, you know, when it comes to like the high blood pressure and things like that, like if it's coming because of stress sensors or being triggered or something, that's God, I feel like Joe Rogan right now with, with like my tangent, but if there's something where it's the stress is causing you to have the high blood pressure and that stress is coming from something getting wired wrong, it just feels like worth looking into. I couldn't agree more. Oh, and before we get back, we've just gone completely off topic. But the other thing I was going to say, circling back to Jesus and them tripping balls. The other thing that I never really thought about until last night was wine. What do you mean? Jesus and wine. Okay. And lead. Oh, (laughs) okay. It's not something I thought about, but I highly recommend this documentary. I forgot what it was called. Totally worth it, though. They go through each psychedelic separately, go on their own journey and see how it helps people. And the oh, fact they, so that, they take the drugs on camera. Well, yeah, because a lot of this stuff sure. is back to being approved for research, like in Switzerland and actually even in the U.S. with some of them. Yeah, they go through each one, describe it, how it affects your brain, and then they show actual people in therapy. Mm-hmm. It's super interesting. So move back to the U.S., you know, made all of this money helping communists and fascists. And then all of a sudden, boom, has an empire, right? So it's interesting that after Fred's time working with Stalin, he became intensely opposed to communism. But I don't see much of him dissing Hitler, which is also interesting. So it's very focused on like Stalin is bad. Communism is bad. Did not see anything about him talking about Hitler. So there you go. And the whole focus is on the evils of communism, which circling back to Ayn Rand, 
that connection there of anti-communist communal working together kind of idea, not saying communism and communal working together is the same, but just saying in general that this way of living is not okay. So he focuses on the evils of communism, and he's also noted as saying that socialism leads to communism. Well, so does Marx. I mean, but (laughs) it's also important to note that they're not the same thing. They are not the same thing. And communism is a theoretical form of the stateless existence. Like, it's not something you just do. It's something that ends up happening as a byproduct of, well, of capitalism leading to socialism leading to communism. You don't vote it in. members script. They're the same, and they always intertwine them, get them mixed up, like with the student loan forgiveness stuff. And it's just like, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene trying to say you have to pay back your debt. But then I love that the White House tweeted out this PPE loan you didn't pay back. And people are like, that was meant to be forgiven. It's like, that's not what she said, though. She said, if you have a debt, you pay it back. So in this notion of the cult, it's really important to have conflicting information. I think that's one of the things we're definitely seeing is you have to, I think, and I think it's what you're pointing out is like, you have to have dogmatic and like absolute thinking. And then there has to be some kind of wobble in that thinking and in an example. And then it's like, oh, well, you know, that's okay for us. Like it's, we're the elect. Like it's, it's okay for us to do that. It's okay for us to grab them by the whatever, grab them by the PPP. (laughs) That's okay. Let's make a shirt that says that. (laughs) That's such a good t-shirt. Grab them by the PPP. Okay. I got to do that on Campa. So Fred's own son, David said that Fred was quote, paranoid about communism. And I couldn't help but wonder because paranoia is a side effect of lead poisoning. And with how much, yes, and with how much he was, because he was a chemical engineer, he was working with it. He wasn't just in the boardroom, like he actually did build this from the ground up. This is a Pepe Silvia moment. This is a lot of red strings. This is awesome. (laughs) Oh. And then that paranoia fuels Mm -hmm. all of this crazy. I don't even. But yeah, so he worked that much with gasoline back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, up, you know, he died in 67. I mean, granted, in the 60s, I'm sure he was taking a back seat from the actual like day-to-day stuff, but it was there. <laughs> Fascinating. Mm-hmm. So furthermore, David goes on to say his father, quote, was constantly speaking to us children about what was wrong with the government and government policy. It's something I grew up with, a fundamental point of view that big government was bad. And impositions of government controls on our lives and economic fortunes was not good, end quote. So we can see how they push that agenda today, but while also controlling the government. So, LOL. And they're they're offsetting their agenda. They're saying, like, this is almost like a tribute to their father rather than... Yes. Just... Because uh, they needed daddy's love so bad. Right, right. Like Trump We're... needed daddy's love so bad. <sighs> yeah. That's the thing, too, is like, you know, instead of saying that to like shame people, but at the core of stuff, a lot of the stuff stems from childhood, you know, and. Yeah, and if you have a billion point, dollars, your childhood weird shit is <laughs> spills into my life. I know, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> the fact that we let people have this much, like just people in general have this much control. So and, Eat some cake like the rest and, of us. Or crudite <laughs> if you're Dr. Or, <laughs> A a I can't believe 
was filming that? It was like, maybe you should say veggie tray. <laughs> Could we just do another take? I mean, what do you think about that, Mehmet? Like, just a quick, I don't know. Touching all the vegetables. That was like the one thing the grocery store employees were like, God, he just kept touching all the vegetables and putting them back. And it was like, it's oh, crudite. It's so ridiculous. But that made me lose my train Get back to it. Oh, and then we can also see how they got triggered, I'm sure, with, you know, Darvo tactics. Mm-hmm. Because they had to reverse who's the victim and offender here. Because in their minds, this is their narrative. So they can't be the villain. Totally. And so it's like, there's triggers to this stuff too. Like, I'm sure Fred Blood Poisoning was a trigger for, <laughs> for his stuff. You know, like you get that narrative. He picks up an Ayn Rand book when he's fueled with lead poisoning paranoia, just hypothetically saying this, but it's probable. When we don't see these step-by-step snowball effects, we can only speculate when there's no information about these people. So before we move on to Charles and David, another fun fact about Fred was that he helped found the John Birch Society, which I know I brought up briefly, but again, it's a quote, far-right American political advocacy group that opposes communist infiltration and supports limited government, end quote. Obviously, that's what we're facing right now. So a snowball effect of that from, you know, back in the 40s. Even John Wayne was a member of the John Birch Society, but ended up leaving. Oh, that's right, because it was too crazy? Yeah, which, I mean, says a lot about how bonkers these people were, because he's an evil, evil man, (laughs) or bleep racist white supremacist narcissist man and he's like whoa guys there's a little much for me (laughs) (laughs) and another fun fact about this is that it also seems super culty quote cop god see i can't help it coke held john birch society it makes sense i mean right i really think it is cop quote coke held John Birch Society chapter meetings in the basement of his family's home in Wichita, Kansas. And I I bet they served Kool-Aid. Doesn't that seem culty to you? How did they know it was in the basement? Somebody's talking. We know that they are the string holders. Mm-hmm. Now it's only Charles because David's dead, but they've been the string holders of the far Spoiler right political alert. movement. It's, yeah. it's them. And they have all these organizations, which we'll get to. But this concept of for the American people and the hardworking Americans and, you know, it's your hardworking money. They don't need to take your taxes. So it should come as no surprise that Charles and David didn't, quote, pull themselves up from their bootstraps to achieve the American dream from the ground up, like the narrative that they try to project to the people that they manipulate and get to join their cult. They inherited Coke Industries. Right. It's like this illusion of like, they made themselves who they are today. No, they inherited the business that got most of its money from working with communists and fascists overseas, overseas, then brought back here. If the story doesn't add up and it's not truthful, how can you believe them? You know, it's it's magical thinking. It's the story of the elect. So like, even though on paper, it's like, we can see that in order for this company to make money, we can't pay our workers Mm -hmm. what they're worth, or even acknowledging the notion that because our workers are working, that is the only reason why we're making money. 
so we're not going to share the profits with these workers. It's this notion, like we can do the math on this and it's like, no, we're going to be the select few. We're the elect. We're the ones who are going to make it, even though it's against the odds. Mm-hmm. Our belief is that I guess space for all of us, or we're all going to make it into heaven or money heaven. Is that money? Is that, the, is that the American dream? Like there's just going to be fields forever and ever. And for some people, I guess. Because if they really did want that, they'd pay their taxes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mentioned there's not much about Charles and David's younger years. Granted, I did some light research, but I didn't have a lot of free time. But, quote, in an interview with Warren Castle Jr., which was recorded in February 2016, Coke stated that as a child, he did not live a privileged lifestyle. Despite oh, my God. Growing up in- <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> oh, Despite growing up in a wealthy family, Koch said, quote, my father wanted me to work as if I was the poorest person in the world, end quote, after attending several private high schools. So he attended several, several private schools, but not living a privileged lifestyle. Okay. In his mind, he might think this. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't taking trips to Bali like his other private school friends, but you still went to a private school. Yeah. I just And he's not worried about eating. He's not worried about... As if I was the poorest person in the world. Can you elaborate on that? You know, what's your interpretation of that, sir? It just shows he doesn't know what that means. He's so detached. Charles, if you're listening, I think you could really benefit from the psychedelic therapy that... Take some ketamine, man. Not ketamine, though. I don't... (laughs) They don't talk about ketamine in this. Start with mushrooms. That's a, well, that's another thing that's been uh, deregulated. People are having oh, a lot. Oh, of, has it? Yeah. yeah. For uh, anxiety and a bunch of other stuff. Oh, interesting. Now, that whole concept of his father wanting him to quote, this is my favorite. I forgot that I even had this in here. <laughs> so that whole concept of his father... Wanting him to, quote, work as if I was the poorest person in the world, end quote. Well, let's just break that down. He graduated in 1960 and started working for Arthur D. Little Incorporated. But by 1961, he moved back to Wichita to join his father's business. So he did that whole working on his own thing for less than a year. Oh, my God. And by 1967, he became president of the company when his dad died. That illusion is just mind boggling. I, okay. I just can't stand these people. No. <laughs> just and, so... and can you not hear it with connected to Trump? It's the same narrative. Well, they just know everything. They have access to everything. I mean, they understand what it's like to be a person of color better than I do. They understand <laughs> what it's like to be a woman better than you do. Mm-hmm. They it's just they understand what it's like to be poor better than well, than anyone else. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to grow up in the third world because he's, <laughs> you know, he's flown over these countries and yes. um, oh uh, he's met people from these places. And yeah, I just. And for the extended discussion after the episode, we have to talk about what happened when I looked up his mom. But we're going to say that because it's like it's a weird reveal. Now, going back to Paul's theory that all of this is just people not wanting to be told what to do while telling other people what to do. 
Also not sure if you remember in my Muse musical series how the reporter was secretly behind an organization called Citizens Unite. And that was dedicated to revealing the truth about what the politician was doing. Well, when I saw the Koch brothers organization Citizens United, I was definitely intrigued. (laughs) It's so fascinating how effective their cult propaganda has been and where it came from. And of course, it's unfortunately because they are manipulating people using corporate Darbo. I know we talk about it a lot, but again, it's Darbo is an abuse tactic where you deny, attack, reverse victim and offender. It's used by abusers in the personal lives. And as we're seeing, it's corporations use it as well. And could that come because that's just how their brains are wired? Yes. You know, like it doesn't have to be that they like research this. It just could be that they're abusers and this is how they operate. But Citizens United, the timeline of it too, connected to when I wrote the new series is pretty interesting. Yeah, because you were writing that in the middle of 2000, the 2000s. I started in 2006. And then it wasn't a case. The Supreme Court didn't decide it until like 14. I think it might be 2010, but we'll... Okay, um, okay, okay. But regardless, I started writing it before that happened. Quote, in the wake of Nixon's unprecedented resignation in August 1974, the new Republican president, Gerald Ford, signed important reform legislation into law. The new laws established stricter campaign contribution limits and public disclosure requirements, a federal presidential campaign matching fund system, and a new regulatory agency, the Federal Election Commission. As President Gerald Ford said, quote, the times demand this legislation, end quote. Three months later, the Republicans were utterly humiliated in the 1974 elections. The same happened again in 1976. It was the party's electoral nadir of the past half century, end quote. So instead of them letting democracy get back to a place where it should be, they see this defeat and say, nah, fuck that. That's not who we are. Yeah. Manifest destiny, bitches. Like that's, I mean, it's just, it's like, it is boils down to what you fucking said. Like they should have had participation trophies when they were kids. Maybe they'd be better off if everybody got a trophy when they were younger. Well, they certainly had no, I, so this is sort of another thread about with the cult of corporation and then also just in general with lead poisoning and a lack of empathy. It seems like there was an entire generation of people that they did not know or learn how to love. They didn't know yes. and learn how to, they weren't emotionally and socially and psychologically supported mm-hmm. after the war. And then that they passed that on. They just kept mm-hmm. passing that on to generations to follow. And then, um, and let's yeah. remember too that there's healthy generational patterning. There's positive and negative generational patterning. Like we always t- tend to look at the negatives. I feel like the technology that's the political technology that's been developed since then, which you're pointing out with that, like, nah, fuck it, is here were the Republicans who were utterly humiliated. They were who fucked they, around and found out. Sure. And they actually had to find out. And the technology that was developed is not stopping that from happening again. It's allowing that to not really matter. And we're getting to that too. (laughs) (laughs) Like you just said, this is the era, this is the heyday of lead poisoning. The reason why that would work now, I think we're going to say this, is that you need to not have empathy. You need to not care at all what other people are thinking. You need to not care. Psychopathic psychopathic personality, tendency, yeah. abs- personality absolutely uh-huh. yeah. gross yeah 
And honestly, you know, you don't need it. It's just that you need it to be this evil. Yes. <laughs> but you don't need it for things to be successful, I want to say. Um, oh. I feel that there can be a balance of it if they did have any empathy. And then, of course, they talk about all their charitable donations to these nonprofits, but they're all nonprofits that just fund propaganda advertising. So I find that so amusing that they talk about their charitable work. Well, it's also the charitable work. And I'm I'm just going to keep saying this every time it's brought up. Charitable work is also it's two parts. One, it's the I don't want anyone telling me what to do. So that's when you're really, 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 really rich. You get to not have the government take your money and and do good things with it. Mm -hmm. You get to be in charge of that. And then the second thing is it's a tax haven. It's 1000% a tax haven. So like giving money to little Brown kids in the street is a way of, of not paying your taxes. It's not a way of just helping people because if you really wanted to help those people, you just cut checks. Yeah. You'd just be giving out cash and and be cool with paying your taxes. You pay your taxes and you give money away. (laughs) Yep. Just do it. Oh, another interesting note is that all four Koch brothers inherited the shares of the business from their dad. And so there's apparently a large divide between Team Charles and David and Team Frederick and Bill or William to the point where, quote, Frederick and Bill were bought out for $1.1 billion. And Charles and his younger brother, David, became majority owners in the company, despite the settlement legal disputes continuing until May 2001, end quote. I didn't get too much into Fred and Bill or Fred Jr. and Bill, but there were hints of there being a political mindset disagreement, if you will, mm. about the direction of things. So it'd be interesting to see. We don't know anything about their childhood. Bill is the twin of David. Okay. Okay. So they're, you know, they're the twins. same age. Yeah. Yep. Charles is the oldest. I don't know if Fred's the youngest or the middle, but all those dynamics can make a difference in how the narrative played out, but we just don't know any information. Uh So how did we get back to this Nixon era corporate influence? (laughs) Well, a lot of it comes from an important court decision that took place in 2010, which you were just talking about. The quote, court ruled that the First Amendment forbids the government from limiting independent political expenditures by a nonprofit corporation. These principles have also now been extended to for-profit corporations, labor unions, and other organizations. In other words, pretty much anything goes. Or as one exasperated observer put it, quote, the United States Supreme Court struck down barriers to corporate control of democracy with its 2010 Citizens United versus Federal Election Commission's ruling, end quote. So they've become super bodies. They've become super individuals where... Like, I'm capped at how much I can give to... Gerald Ford put into place, listen, yeah. we can't have people, we can't have money influencing elections. Fuck yeah, Gerald, you were right. And it, they fought so fucking hard. And the amount of money that was put into it is atrocious. What they could have done with that money. Just not narcissist, apathetic, corporate greed drive be their own whole focus in life. What they could have done with that money besides just wanting to be the winner of capitalism. I understand it's an industry, but I just can't see the deluge, the flood of money in this like re-election world being a real benefit to the planet, to all of us. That's just so much wasted resources. Yep. In the 2012 election cycle, the Cokes and fellow donors backed a network of politically active nonprofit groups. 
that was carefully constructed with extensive legal barriers to shield its donors, raising over 400 million for the election cycle, according to the Washington Post. And as the Post explained, a labyrinth of tax-exempt groups and limited liability companies helped mask the source of the money, much of which went to voter mobilization and television ads attacking President Obama and congressional Democrats, end quote. And I'm always curious about this. Like we just said about the hiding your identity with the family and with them not revealing any information about their upbringing or little information. What are you hiding? Why do you need to hide your identity if you're not doing something that's shady as fuck? It's one thing to be like, oh, I don't want the attention because I'm donating 200 million to school lunches across the U.S. so every child can have a lunch. Right. That's not what this is. It's, I want to control the elections. So we're going to circle back to 2010 in just a second. But first, the Koch brothers spent a total of 220 million on the 2014 midterm elections through their right wing political advocacy group, Americans for Prosperity and Freedom Partners. Now, that there, I want people to pay attention because when you see a lot of propaganda on social media, those videos, Nine times out of 10, you're going to see Americans for Prosperity created it. And that's something that I've been paying attention to a lot lately, especially the very well-produced absurdities. Now, I don't know whether or not people realize how much fucking money they put into this propaganda and how much their thinking has been influenced by this corporate greed. We can see how effective this manipulation, this corporate darvo is on people where you're looking at them going, everything you're saying is coming from the top billionaires in the world yes. who own and run everything. That part there, it's like, how are you? Ugh. Yeah, so this they information- <laughs> This information wouldn't be out there unless money was, that's, that's such a great point. It's only allowed, it's literally allowed by the people controlling these, uh, these communication pathways. Mm -hmm. So what are they benefiting from? How are they benefiting from this? And then I think another thing is, I don't think we can see this so directly, but because there's so much going on behind the scenes, if you really Mm want to control someone, you got to throw out some crazy, crazy, crazies. And then like some real, when, and I think that's how we got Marjorie Taylor Greene is. Yeah, she's a, uh, what do they call her? A agent of chaos? Yes. I'm just thinking of like, you wouldn't start with Marjorie Taylor Greene. You would. Oh, yeah. You'd start with with something, you know, kind of like like that. But you would frame her frame that person as just so out there. And then you create an alternative that's just polished and mm-hmm. but saying the same thing you were mentioning like those really polished ads that are saying this they're saying the same thing as as the nutballs but then yeah, you get the nutballs so here's the thing i was just thinking about too is all they have is money okay i think that a way for us to reframe things is by getting rid of the need for money to compete with them right because we can and like i said like with the white house tweeting out the fact checking things as simple as that one thing that's not getting a lot of airplay is making it literally illegal to campaign outside of a certain window. I don't know, a month or something. Because, you know, when you have this constant barrage of... Information overload. When did the... When did, it's, it, it is. We're exhausted. Mm-hmm. And as soon as Trump won in 16, they were already starting about 22. Yeah, it's, um, and, yeah they're, they're way ahead of the game. And because it's a game to them. 
Mm-hmm. It is a game, and it's reported like sports. I've seen a lot yes. of stuff about that, oh, that it's so winners and losers, and yes. really, they well, we've gained a few yards here, and we I think this is a first down, so we'll start over, and yep, 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 same thing. It's atrocious, and going back to not letting people tell you what to do while telling other people what to do, we do have to go back to, I mean, their lives were dictated. You're going to this private school. You're doing this. You're doing this. Same with Trump. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have to do these things. And when you're not getting love along with that, you're going to want to retaliate. Oh, and absolutely. then you have the power from because money is power to ride that to destruction of society with just apathy. I mean, there you go. It's funny, too, because they always try using David and Goliath, which I I always find so amusing because it's like you guys realize that Goliath is just them with wearing a a, ma- or a costume. It's the Koch brothers in there. Spoiler alert. You know what I mean? I just find it so amusing that they always have that like, oh, fighting against the big guy. And it's like, well, that's who's funneling the money for that. To, fu- to allow the fight. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Ah, but anyways, quick interesting side note I found while researching is that all four Koch brothers have had prostate cancer, hmm. all four of them. And just throwing this out here, because obviously I had to Google it after that. Quote, environmental exposure of aging males to lead may be a risk for prostate cancer and or benign prostate hyperplasia, end quote. Just had to throw that out there. So. <laughs> Making connections. I mean, it's like when all four of them have it, that's just too, too much. So being from Wisconsin, all I can think about when I hear the Koch brothers is their influence on Scott Walker's election win. And more importantly, how this set the tone for union busting in public education. I mean, just public service in general, which also segue to defunding public education and the hot mess we're in right now, where, spoiler alert, the whole idea was to privatize schools. And who came from private schools? The Koch brothers. So you're bringing it back to Scott Walker. It's all connected. Yep. So what I find super interesting, because my mom's like, I swear, she's like, they're from Wisconsin. Don't they have Wisconsin ties? And I'm like, I don't think so. And yeah, no, they grew up in Kansas. It's because of how much money they put into Scott Walker's campaign that people like my mom just assume they're from here. Wow. Like, why would you have so much interest in this man winning if you're not from here? Totally legitimate parallel connection, you know? So, quote, Walker's gubernatorial campaign received $43,000 from the Coke Industries PAC during the 2010 election. Okay. Reminder that Citizens United happened, that act happened in 2010. They were pushing that so they could push this. Okay. If you're seeing the correlation there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I can't find this information, but I want to see where these two guys got connected. Like, how Scott Walker and the Coke brothers connected. So the Coke PAC gave $1 million to the Republican Governors Association, which then in turn spent another 65000 on independent expenditures to support Walker. The RGA also spent $3.4 million on TV ads and mailers attacking Walker's opponent, which was Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett. It's a lot of money to put into something when you don't even live here. <laughs> and then the, uh, that's what I find so amusing, too, is, you know, the, the big focus is that it's all about, you know, states having control of themselves, this and that, blah, blah, blah. But while having outside financial influence from people who don't live in the state. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really great, that's a the, uh, encapsulation of uh, how crazy that is and how... Um... Their whole thing is hypocrisy. It's yeah, it's all it, it, agenda. It, it, it's hypocrisy. Because they want they're the ones who want to tell people what to do. Yeah. 
It's and and they're the exception. They're living in the state of exception. So That's what they all they all want to have be. To, we know what the law is, but we have the exception to this law. Yeah, that's for you folk, not us. In February 2012 interview with the Palm Beach Post, David Koch admitted that he was helping fund Wisconsin Governor Walker as Walker fought off a recall that was sparked by the anti-union legislation. Huh. I was living in Minneapolis when this happened, but I remember coming back down here to do, I was doing a documentary, which I wish I could have finished, but somebody lost the footage who was filming oh, with yeah. me. So, oh, yeah. But I still think also too, just as far as timing, that documentary was called restructuring America. And I was seeing it as the positive of how we need to restructure America, right? While the Koch brothers were literally restructuring America unbeknownst to me. He set the precedence for all of this stuff in 2010 (sighs) because of being funded. I mean, granted, you know, he's just the puppet who has the strings on him, obviously, like they're the ones organizing this, but It just shows like they were so they put so much money into that because they're like he got their job done and they needed him there. Right. That legislation would have been thrown out because Democratic senators in Wisconsin left the state trying to avoid this being passed through and being voted on because it was they knew that was so dangerous and it still got voted in. So Coke was later quoted as saying, we're helping him as we should. We've gotten pretty good at this over the years. We've spent a lot of money in Wisconsin and we're going to spend more, end quote. So they're buying a state. Yeah, but, you know, states have their own rights. No, we're just going to buy them like Monopoly pieces. Mm -hmm. And makes me wonder if they have money in this mega guy who's running against Evers. Oh, I'm sure of it. Yeah, which this guy is just such a fucking tool. But and uh, (laughs) my favorite part of this guy is his political ads are talking about how we need to get career politicians like Evers out of office. Like Governor Abbott of Texas? (laughs) Yes. But, spoiler, this guy has run for office more times than Evers has. State of exception. Yeah. (laughs) Just like, I can't. But when he was running, it was because of his passion. I told my mom that and she lost her shit. She's like, Evers was a public educator, a public school educator. It's not like he was even at fucking private schools. He was a public school educator. Like, what's his face in Minnesota? Thank you. Yeah. But, and I go, yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm like, so we know how ridiculous it is, but if uneducated people are just hearing this shit and, oh, well, this is going to be his third term as governor. Like, well, they've also drawn lines, like they've created these battle lines. So Mm -hmm. I think what happens is you don't need to have real facts. You just need to say things and people will construct what they need in order to maintain their position. Yeah, and it's that idea like there's no going back type of... Yeah, that really moves this forward. You No matter what you move forward, manifest destiny. No matter what the cost, we are getting to the end of the Oregon Trail. So Even if we got to lose some kids and (laughs) there's dysentery everywhere. Yeah. All right. Now, highlighting the recall as a fight against unions, Koch also stated, quote, what Scott Walker is doing with the public unions in Wisconsin is critically important. He's an impressive guy and he's very courageous. If the unions win the recall, there will be no stopping union power. (gasps) Let's hope so. Uh, So, like, 
Unions need some reform, and that, that's a whole thing. Oh, yeah. Like, we don't have a very healthy relationship to power and a very solid identity around value and cultural progression. But, uh, yeah, this reminds me, what is that one? Who, who said the thing about the taco stand? Like, if uh, if immigration goes this way, there'll be a taco stand on every corner. It's like, uh, I'm sorry, yes, what? please. You said that? Yeah, be like guacamole will be everywhere. There'll be taco stands on every corner. Like, um, oh my, okay. Well, this is the problem we've talked about, and again, why literacy and education is important because without critical thinking, you do see everything either this or this. You can say that this is fucking insane while also saying unions need to have a revamp. It's like you can be pro union and say there's still issues within unions. I think this is something that keeps popping up with, in addition to that, I just, my position is, uh, I agree with that about education. I think we also just need to meet human needs, like meet the actual, like, I feel like we should have the right to just not care about anything, not read a single thing. I don't really need to know anything about politics, but... If I am sick and I want to go to the doctor when I'm old and I want to be taken care of when I, you know, if it's like that's being threatened, if that's really exists and that's being threatened, people will act on that. They'll try to defend that. And if we don't have that stuff and it's real, then we're just trying to fight about these imaginary things. We're trying to fight about these like theoretical sort of things. And in addition to education, I think people would be motivated in a unique way if we, if they were defending what they already have. And I already said, you know, I'm against privatizing school, obviously, but I'm also for restructuring public education. At the beginning of the show, I don't know if that was before the episode or not, but we talked about how not everybody learns the same way. And there are people that are exceptionally intelligent who just need to have a different way of learning. And so we need to broaden that. Yeah. And it's not this separateness, but people have this concept of you're either this or that. This, yes. And it's like, no, I'm I'm for public education, but I also am for it being restructured. Do you want bad test scores? Do you want our kids to have bad test scores? Oh God, don't I don't care about test shit. scores. Do you not care about test scores? Like, oh I want God. people to be aware and creative. I want and people to be, uh, going back to childhood development, emotionally I want to stable. flourish and be yes. who they want to be. Yes. Not who they're told to be. And going back to unions, what I had mentioned in the corporate definition episode with childhood development, with unions, that kind of like establishment of Mm self-regulation with with positions of power in unions, or even just being in a union. Mm -hmm. And there being some sort of like introductory course you have to take or something. I don't know. And maybe they do have this, but like understanding the inner workings of what it is and how important it is that you're in the position that you are and what that means for your community and, you know, stuff like that. The fact that we would have to have a class to teach people about how their labor is. I mean, like, you know, four-year-olds get this. You you made this, you made this with your friends, like you want to benefit from it. I mean, at a simple level, that's, I don't know. We're we're at a point where it's crumbling and we need to rebuild. And so I'm saying this as far as like the development stage. Like for the next six years, you know what I mean? For the next six years, this is like what we have to do to get our country. That's insightful. Functioning again. (laughs) 
And now because of their success, going back to the Godfather, sorry. This is definitely going to be an extended episode. It seems as though there is now no stopping corporate power. They're really good at using corporate Darvo tactics, which we've seen. I'll give them that. Also worth noting that along with the Koch brother influence, Scott Walker was successful in putting a halt to a Midwest high-speed train system. And I don't know if you remember that, but that was along with the union busting. He also put a halt to, I mean, it was ready to go. And all the other states were on board, and but we need they needed Wisconsin as the pass-through. And he successfully put a halt to that, which would have made commuting for everybody so much better. Now imagine too. We couldn't have predicted COVID, mm-hmm. but with the amount of remote work and you could have had the ability to live in a different state and still go to work. You're telling like me I could have like, like run down to Gloriosos and gotten some Capicola? Like, yeah. 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 Just a reminder, Scott Walker was funded by the Koch brothers, whose industry is oil and gasoline. Oh, yeah. And what is the one industry that would have been affected by this fucking train. So there's all this distraction about that stuff, right? Right. I'm putting my money on the money they would have lost mm-hmm. from public transportation at this level as their focus of why they needed to get him in there. Well, I would happening. say you're not wrong. He just and who knows what else is there? It. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's just like Scooby Doo villain stuff. Dude, I know. Yeah. Well, I had of, to get rid oh, of that. I had to get rid of the circus. Okay, I'm not I'm not good enough at this stuff, but if anybody listening can do a David and Goliath, but Scooby-Doo, and like do two scenes of it, and then they pull off the mask and it's the Koch brothers, like two heads of a Koch brother. Like, Love it. Monster. But yeah, so that train plan is now getting revamped, but now there's all of this negativity. Like people talk about oh, how much money it's going to cost. And it's just like no mindset of how this is benefiting people. Like me, for example, traveling to and from Minnesota, if I could take the fucking train for the cost of driving there, fuck yeah, I'm going to do it. So there's also a benefit where if the government and the like the state is in alignment with the needs of the people, as far as like where we all want to go, we should have cheap, affordable, reliable transportation to those places. Why not? Why wouldn't we have that? I talk about worker efficiency. You can work on the train. Wow. While you're going to your meeting. Yeah. And everyone would own a piece of the train. Everyone has access to the train as opposed to just their bubble car. Their the plans are great. And it's supposedly because now that's back on board, but now okay. it's not going to be till like 2033. It was supposed to be done by this yeah. year or next year. Oh, if he would have actually well. just, if he would have signed off on it. But, you know, got that sweet, sweet cock money. Got that cock money. <laughs> You got that cock money. All over my beats. You should really join at the $10 level to see what Paul just did. But anyways. <laughs> mm. We could talk about the Koch brothers for days and days and days. I mean, obviously, I'm sure there's a po- I hope to God there's a podcast dedicated to them because there's so much information. If somebody wants to pay me to do a Koch brothers podcast, like I'm here for it. But don't forget too, to take a look at our resources because there's a lot of detailed information in some of these that we just couldn't get to. Some of the timeline information is pretty interesting. And if you are at $5 or up on Patreon, stay tuned for the extended after the episode discussion where we take a look at what I found while trying to find information on my mother. So, I can't wait. <laughs> thanks for tuning in, everyone, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to United States of Lead. 
hosted by Andrea Elizabeth and Paul Kramer. Want to know more about this subject? Consider making a donation on Patreon, where you can unlock extended video episodes and bonus content like deep dives and exclusive interviews. Just a quick disclaimer, Andrea and Paul are not experts in lead poisoning. We do ask that you check our sources and read up a little bit more on your own. Thanks again for listening.